Welcome to the ministry of Mercy Seat Ministries and evangelist Pat and Karen Jackson. We believe that the message you are about to hear will mightily change your life. Open your heart, mind, and spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. We must declare it to the next generation. But I had a dream one night and I'm about to get into this word because I need to warn you because contents of this message is harmful to your flesh. I need to warn you that... I need to warn you that grace without repentance is just religion. I need to warn you that we're living in a very intense time right now. Where obviously the Supreme Court thinks God is confused. And we're living in a period of time where God's looking for those that will tell the truth. And I found out the more you begin to tell the truth, the smaller your circle will get. I found out when I've said on TV, because I did a chapter in this book on homosexuality, how the devil's a liar and you're not born that way. And I know I'm going to get emails, but I'm okay with it because I've gotten the letters. But I found out that when I walk into heaven, I want to be pure with my message. How many of you know your lifestyle should not change when you get to heaven? But I was laying in a hotel room and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, Jesus walked up to me and all I saw was his feet and I saw the scars and I was literally Sound asleep in a hotel room screaming, don't come any closer. It scared me so bad. And I, in my sleep, I'm weeping and I'm shaking and, and I'm screaming. And, and all of a sudden he said to me, Pat, if you'll give me everything you have, I'll give you everything I have. Tell, if you'll tell a generation, if they'll give me everything that they have, I'll give them everything that I have. And, and I woke up and I, I turned to Matthew chapter 7 where it says, ask, seek, and knock, which is a perpetual verb. It means never stop asking, never stop seeking, never stop knocking. And I began to dance before. My goal is to get kicked out of a hotel for praying too loud. It's a personal goal. But tonight... For the next few minutes, I must share a brand new word. Simply titled, The Simeon Cry. I'm here to preach to everybody that's tired of feeling weird. I'm here to preach to everyone that feels like if you don't see an outbreak, you're going to die. I'm here to talk to everybody in this place that understands revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows up. I'm here to talk to everyone that wants me to preach with a, with a sword and not a feather like most of the places I go. I'm here to preach to everyone that still believes in altar calls, that the altars, the raised platform made of wood, stone, or steel in which something is brought forth to die upon. I must preach a mission statement because for several weeks now I kept hearing the term Simeon cry. And you've got to understand something. There's one fella that I want to meet when I get to heaven. Now there's a bunch I want to meet. I want to hang out with David. Because a brother loved to run naked, amen, and worship. I mean, that's freedom. There's so many that I want to hang out with when I get to heaven. I want to, I want to drink coffee because obviously there'll be coffee there. And, and it'll probably have some really cool church coffee name like Hebrews Cafe or something. And, and, 
But when I get to heaven, I'm going to get my, 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 my iPad out. And I'm going to make appointments. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with different people. I'm going to make appointments. I'm, I, I really want to hang out with Elijah. <laughs> I really do. And say, what's it like to think you're the only one left? I've been there. And, and uh, I, I want to hang out with Esther and say, what's it like to prepare yourself for a year for one face-to-face encounter with the king? I, I, I want to meet with different. I want to meet with Joel and say, what was it like to prophesy something? It was so off the wall that went against the priesthood when you said normal people will have dreams and visions. I want to hang out with John and just say, we're just going to, we're not even going to talk. We're just going to lay our heads on each other's chest and (laughs) stare. I want to hang out with Paul because Paul represents to us you don't have a spiritual heritage because he never mentions his mom or his dad or his grandparents, but he started a heritage that would pass for generations all because of an encounter on a road somewhere. I, there, there's certain people I want to talk. Of course, I, 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 I want to hang out with the thief on the cross because he represents me. Doesn't really deserve to be in this thing. I'm a drug dealer's kid. Got saved when I was five. My dad. want to meet with Jeremiah and we're just going to cry. It's going to be like, it's like the Oprah show. We're just going to cry. It's going to be a Mormon commercial. We're just going to cry. I mean, it was just. <laughs> Mormon commercial. I want to, I want to, I want to see my sister who went to heaven six years ago this August and, and, and dance with her because she made it. And I, 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 I want to. I want to, of course, I want to fall at my Savior's feet, but there's one fella that I want to meet. and It's a guy by the name of Simeon. In fact, he's a fellow that most people have never really heard of because most of us get stuck in Luke chapter 2, but we never finish Luke chapter 2. We, we've all quoted it in our Christmas cantatas and, uh, about Jesus' birth and all that kind of stuff, but most people never read the second part. But, but you, you have to understand, they, those that haven't read the second part have been robbed of the experience of meeting a man who, who really laid it all on the line. Now follow me for a second because this man stood out. In fact, the Lord told me to share this tonight. In fact, with the world watching, he, he steps up, lays everything on the line, and, and holds the Messiah in the air. I, I, I'll explain it better. He declared a baby would be the downfall of everyone. His name was Simeon. I looked up the name Simeon, and in the Greek, it doesn't mean anything, but it found out in the Hebrew, it meant, it meant one who has heard or one who listens. That's so rare to find today. In fact, it's also the name, the Aramaic name of Simon Peter, so that it's, it's interesting. His occupation was that of a pastor and, or shepherd, but his mission statement was, don't let me die until I see your glory. And in Luke chapter 2, looking at verse 28, I must share this. I'll go quickly. 
Again, there's no tapestry. There's no videos. My team didn't have time to do any of that stuff. So the Bible says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You know what I've learned about peace? Peace is not an emotion. It's a place you have to choose to live. Peace is, peace is, when Jesus would constantly say to the disciples, like in John 20, when he walked into the upper room, and because he doesn't need a key, he just walks through doors, and, and he can walk into a cave in Afghanistan right now. He can walk into a 16-year-old's bedroom like he did with me. Peace is something, it's, it's a place that you choose every morning, especially if you're really called, if you really carry a mantle, you probably have great highs and great lows, and you battle with waking up every morning and the clock ticking, and so you have to, when you really carry a crazy vision, you have to choose to every day step into peace, but look what it says. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles, so all of you that are racist need to understand right here, this is where Simeon says it's not just for one group. And the glory of your people, Israel. The Lord dropped this on me and I must share it. The Simeon cried. You have to understand there's, there's days where weariness can overwhelm you. There's times where I'm sitting on flights. I've already flown 200,000 miles this year and, and I'm sitting on flights. And, and, and I love, I've learned to fall in love with his creation. I just love to look out at the creation. I love, what, I love what Psalms 19 verse 1 says. It says God's glory is on tour in the skies. God's craft on exhibit across the horizon. Madam Day holds classes every morning. Professor Knight lectures each evening. <laughs> I love the message Bible. But there are moments when I wake up in the morning time and I'm just happy to say I'm still here. And last week I was in Singapore preaching. And on Saturday morning of this last week, I was getting ready to go and speak and my cell phone rang. And it's a fellow by the name of Andrew Kobe who came out of our school of ministry who's Travels with Pastor Reinhard Bunking, has been with him for about eight years. And I received a text as I was about to walk on stage, and it said, Pastor Bunky would like to have supper with you tonight. Found out I was there, I found out he was there. It's weird how this always happens. So we went and ate that night, and I left with a headache from weeping. Because when I sit with him, I feel the presence of the Lord. And That night I got back to my hotel room and I called Andrew just to thank him for once again this opportunity to be with greatness. And we started talking and we started sharing and, and it's getting late in the night and he told me, he said, you know, Pastor Bunky told me, he said, Andrew, most likely you'll be the one that finds me if I should go to heaven in a hotel room. And he said, Pastor, you know what's funny is sometimes I'll go knock on his door in the morning time to go to breakfast and, and I'll find him sitting in his room and he's very discouraged. I said, why? He said, I'll go into the hotel room and I'll say, Pastor, are you all right? And he goes, he always looks up and just says, oh, Andrew, I'm just homesick for heaven. And it stirred my heart. 
And I guess that's where this message is going tonight because I want to be the one that is in the crowd that desires to see Jesus the most. I want to be the one that will go past every obstacle and every corner and into every crevice and try to find his greatness. And I'm preaching about his glory. And the Lord spoke to me as I was driving here tonight. He said, there will come a point in the middle of your message where I will enter into the sanctuary. And I will pour out my spirit. You need to understand, if you're sitting in this room and, and you need a miracle, God is going to do it tonight. He's already running towards you. There's always there's already a stirring in the atmosphere. He's hovering over this place right now. And you need to understand, the more you desire his glory, you need to realize it's going to to transform you in fact the more your flesh has to die and I want to be the one I love Psalm 73 verse 25 you're all I want in heaven you're all I want on earth when my skin sags and my bones get brittle God is rock firm and faithful look those who who left you are falling apart deserters they'll never be heard from again but I'm in the very presence of God oh how refreshing it is I've made Lord God my home God I'm telling the world what you do and this means I must be willing to ignore the noise of the culture. This means I've got to be willing to ignore the, the, uh, my personal fear. This, this, this means there's no room for insecurity or doubt about who he is. In fact, this means I must be the one that's willing to go past everything else to get to his presence. This means I must be willing to pay a price. Now follow me because I must write this down. What is the Simeon cry? It's a personal cry that simply says it will eventually become a public proclamation of Jesus. It's a cry from your inner spirit to simply see God's glory. Go with me for just a moment. I'm going to hurry. Now watch, watch. It's simple. It's so simple. I, I, I wish I could preach one of my memorized messages tonight, but I Every time I come here, I get messed up. In fact, I was preaching this morning, and in the spirit, I saw this old wineskin laying next to the platform at our school of ministry, and I glanced over, and the Lord said, I want you to leave it there. You're trying to walk in something that's not for you anymore. So go with me to the temple. Go with me to a small room right beside the temple. And every morning there's this old priest that gets up, climbs out of bed, and he falls to his knees. And he begins to cry out to Jehovah. He knows his time is running out. In fact, maybe he can hear the sound of the irregular heartbeat. His eyes are fading. His ears are not as sharp as they used to be. But there's something inside of him that says there has to be more. There's something that's eating away at him. His whole life he has declared there is a Messiah coming. His passion never wavered, but he knew... He knew it was coming. He just didn't know how. And when others said preach on social issues, he, he couldn't. And when, when, when others said talk about the government and politics, he, he really couldn't go there. And, and when time seemed to be slipping away, he, he suddenly one morning has an encounter with God. And one morning he's weeping and he said, Lord, don't let me, 
depart. Look what it says in Luke chapter 2. Here we go. It's going to get deep. Now watch because the Lord spoke this to me. Because it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. I love that right there because, because righteous means he's made up his mind. I don't. I'm my, my, my character is not moved by other people's moods. In fact, he's made up his mind. I'm going to stand firm. I'm right. I've set my face like flint. I've made up my mind and that, that I'm going to be different. Devout means he, he has made up his mind. It doesn't matter what others think about him. He's not moved by the noise of the drum of the culture. He understands that truth does not change with culture. He, he, something inside of him says, I'm going to stand even when others aren't standing and when others fall away, I'm going to keep praising. Are you getting this so far? Because he, something is inside him. He set his face like, like Flint, he, he, he wasn't running around trying to steal everybody else's anointing because he understood where he stood. He understood that purity is the backbone of authority. And the only way you really get authority is through brokenness. But anyway, and he understood that time was running out. And it goes on to say, in fact, he understood this was the season of the massacre of the innocent. That was the season that, that it was called during that day because they were killing all the babies just like they had done with Moses' day. Because every time God wants to change a generation, somebody gives birth. And so he, I bet he prayed every morning, don't let them kill the Messiah because I know it's time. In fact, you need to know we're living in that day. It's been 40 years since Roe v. Wade. And you need to understand... I've studied this. I'm writing about it right now. Whenever a civilization kills their children for 40 years, which is a generation in the Bible, within two generations, that civilization no longer exists. When's the last time you heard the screams of the babies? I was praying the other day, and the Lord said, Pat, do you know why I hate abortion so badly? He said, because in the middle of prophesying a child and knitting them together, some doctor thinks he can interrupt it. Watch, 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 watch get this out because all of a sudden it says he was waiting for the console oh this is stop right there he was waiting for the consolation of israel i could preach on this for days because the consolation means the answer the consolation means a summons for help the word consolation means an impartation an encouragement a comfort it says he was waiting for the answer he was waiting for the 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 consolation of israel the Holy Spirit was on him and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And suddenly this interruption changed everything. Suddenly he went from wondering when his time would be up to having a reason to live. There's something about a prophetic word that when God speaks it to you, that it knows it goes past what everyone else is saying. And when he got dressed each day, now something had changed. He knew, I'm going to see the glory. I wonder if when he's getting dressed each day, oh, it's about to get thick. He's getting dressed. He's putting on his priestly garments. He's wondering to himself, I wonder if this is it. I wonder if this is the moment where the glory enters the house. I wonder if he recited to himself, what do I do? Should I bow? Do I kiss him? Because soon I will see 
the glory. It had been prophesied he would see the Messiah. He knew God had spoke to him in a day when, when the Holy Spirit was speaking to very few people. He understood. And then all of a sudden it happened in one day. It was all planned out by God. It was a transformational moment in the middle of one service. All of a sudden, maybe, 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 even, maybe even Simeon didn't feel like going to work that day. I can see him. He's tired. He's old. He's walking. People are waving at him because he's their pastor. He marries them. He buries them. He's walking to the temple to do his priestly duties. And people are waving. People are talking to him. But he's preoccupied. I don't know if you ever get this way before you go speak somewhere. But I, I, I love everybody and I want to smile at everybody. But I'm not really where everybody's at because something's inside of me is stirring. I know we're about to encounter it. And I, I said this to Pastor Bunky last week. I get tired of being at places where I'm invited. And it feels like you're the only one with the faith for what's supposed to happen. And, and I can see him walking. I mean, he's just, he's old. He's just walking. He's going to the temple. But as he gets closer on that particular day, something, the hair on the back of his neck starts coming up. Something begins to rise up inside of him. He begins to feel, this is not a normal ramp. And the Bible says he was moved by the Spirit. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. I can see him. He's shaking everybody's hands, reminding them to pay their tithe. And I can hear it coming through the wind. Come in here. Come in here. Simeon. Come in here. And he starts walking. And as he gets closer and closer, something begins to transition in the spirit. Understand something. When a woman gave birth to a young man at eight, at eight days, they would circumcise him and give them their name. Jesus was named at the eighth day, new beginning. A woman who gave birth to a boy had to go through a purification process 40 days after the birth. So Mary and Joseph go to the temple and they're carrying the baby. People are whispering about them. You haven't really been anointed till you've been talked about. <laughs> he wasn't moved by the crowds he, anymore. He couldn't be moved by the lights or the songs or the anthems or who he might get to meet that's speaking. He just knew somebody was there. He, everything else was mundane to him. It was, it was black and white. It was, it was boring to him because he knew there had to be more to this thing. And, and let, me just, let me just tell you, don't ask God for the stage if you still have the, a misdirected rage. God's not going to use you. And so here he was. He was at that moment. He, he wasn't moved by what others wanted anymore. He was different. He wasn't like those. You know who those are. The, those whom are satisfied with just a little religious to get you by. Those who have grown comfortable with the idea that God is just an idol to be worshipped on Sunday. Uh, the, those who are, who are not willing to give their last breath for an encounter. Those who bristle at the thought of being ostracized for truth. Those who enjoy being orphans because they've never had an encounter with the Father who breaks the orphan spirit. Those who dream small and easily obtain dreams that consist of a little office or a paycheck or even a ministry title. No, he wasn't like those. Something had shifted in him. Those, those who, who always 
always look over their shoulder to see if they missed something in their past they want to go back to. Those, those whom the, the thought of being transformed by his presence immediately react with fear of losing the self. And those who are, whom are content with experiencing God through others' eyes and others' revelations. And you'd rather read somebody else's book than pick up a pen. Martin Luther said if you want to change the world, pick up a pen. Those, those whom think ministry is the end result of your network. Those who think self-denial is only in regards to counting calories and fat content. Those who think the enlightening of a generation happens through stage and lights and mediocre messages. Those that keep a personal checklist that does not include a visitation of glory. But rather that flesh-eating bacteria called flesh. Those that still scoff at the cross because they don't really know him. I write this down. I'm almost done. I mean, it's simple, simple, most simple word God's ever given me. He recognized his moment. The enemy wants your moment. He'll take your moment in one day. He'll take your moment in one afternoon when somebody stops by the house. If he can get your moment, if he can chain you to your past, you become a slave to his authority. But what I'm learning is when God shows up, it isn't about you. In fact, I love Psalms 115 verse 1. It says, not for our sake, God, not for our sake, but your, your namesake. Show your glory. Do it on account of your merciful love. Do it on account of, of your faithful ways. Do it so none of the nations can say, where now? Oh, where is their God? Let me tell you something. God will never walk into a service if he does not believe. And he cannot be sure that you won't take credit. We get way so, can, can I just preach this? We get so weighed down with the things that don't matter. We get so caught up in all the other stuff and all the junk. And I've spent years that way until God slowly began to release me of that saying, what matters is my glory. What matters is my presence. What matters is pouring it out in a generation. It's a 15-year-old it's a girl running up to me in the middle of a service saying, look, my scars are gone, Pat. I don't know why. It's that type of things. When God begins to move, it's four little girls in Wisconsin coming up to me and handing me their razor blades saying, we're not going to cut ourselves anymore because tonight we do it every night on the phone and at the same time but tonight God healed all of our scars and told us we were princesses it's the Holy Spirit dancing with a young lady and restoring virginity it's a young man beginning to feel his presence that's what counts it's not about another gathering of it's not another Pentecostal charismatic talent show I gotta wrap this up. I, I'm stuck to my notes. I'm sorry. I don't normally, but we get so weighed down with what doesn't really matter, and the enemy's trying to distract you, and you don't even realize that God is right around the corner. And First Peter four verse twelve says this. Look what it, look what it says. It says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusions that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you're on the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is the spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. 
Oh, here it comes now. Here it comes because here is Simeon. And all of a sudden, Simeon stayed focused. And I love what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 28. Because I've never heard anybody preach on Simeon. But Simeon is somebody I want to meet. He usually gets ignored. He doesn't fit really well in Christmas cantatas. Because you've got to understand, this is the next level. This is some willing to put their ministry on the line with their denomination watching. And all of a sudden, it says, Simeon took him in his arms. Simeon took him in his arms. Can you see him? He walks into the church and he begins to bless people. And then across the room he sees this young couple. And it's like they're pulling him. And he starts just saying hi to everyone. And he sees this young couple and he smiles at him. He knows their story because everyone has told him their story through prayer request. There's a stir in his spirit that says, walk over there. And suddenly he sees Mary and Joseph. And as he gets closer, for some reason, he goes, why am I crying? What is this that I'm getting close to? And then they begin to weep tears of vindication. Because this is the moment. And as Simeon gets closer, he suddenly says, can I hold your child? Can I hold some salvation? Can I hold some John 1:14? the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us. Can I hold your Bible? And suddenly humanity meets divinity and that's an altar call. And he takes the baby in his arms and he starts shaking. Because he realizes. Can I say, so I said this to my team today. I said, put me around somebody that doesn't point out how great the lights are anymore. When I walk into a service or how great the sound is. or Pastor, look at the crowd. Isn't it great? Put me around some people on my staff that when I walk in, they'll go, he's here, he's here, he's here, pastor, he's here, he's here, it's what we've been praying for. I said, put me around a team. I was, I was just, this started as just a message for my team. This wasn't for you tonight. This was for chapel this morning. And, and, and all of a sudden, the Lord began to burn in my spirit because all of a sudden, as Simeon takes this, I was sitting on a plane a week ago or three days ago or whatever it was, and I'm flying all the way from Tokyo to Atlanta because you got to go through Atlanta to go to heaven. And, and, and <laughs> obviously, and I'm sitting on the plane and I'm watching people sleep and I'm thinking to myself, God, there's got to be more. I want to be in a service. Where is it about where somebody goes, great sermon, brother. It's not about that. Great message, pal. I want to be in a place where people suddenly cannot stand anymore because the, world, the glory begins to flow across the stage and the presence of God put me in a room where it's not about a man. And all of a sudden, he holds the baby up. The word, because the word's made flesh, so he's holding the Bible up. And look what it says. Look, look what it says right here. Look what it says. Look what it says. It says, Sovereign Lord, 
as you have promised. I can die now. No, I'm not going to go on TV and talk about this moment, God. I'm not going to write an article. You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Get what I'm trying to say to you. Get this in your spirit, man. The Lord spoke to me that if there will come a holy moment, it was a circle of life moment. He's holding the baby up. Circle of life. It's one of all the, it's what it was. I'm talking about little Lion King moment. And... He's holding the baby up. And, 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 and suddenly, I love this. I love this moment right here because he put everything on the line. Because people would think he's, he's a fool. People would think he's crazy. But I love this because every great leader desires to bless their successor. Because at this moment, his job was ending. At this moment, he could die. At this moment, it was over. Now, the religious people didn't like it because they still liked preaching that he was coming. And they couldn't handle that he was already there because because they'd have to change their sermon. And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he says, I've seen your salvation. I've seen your light for all the world. And it was over with. And he declared the truth. I love what Pastor Bunky said to me last week. He said, why in America won't anybody preach truth? The very next morning, I'm going to a church Lindo, in Singapore. Pastor picks me up. It's Brighton Community Church. It's a great church. And he picks me up at and we're, we're, we're leaving, and he goes, can I ask you something? And I said, sure. He said, how come in America pastors won't preach truth anymore? And I said, I heard that last night. And I was embarrassed. This is it. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 33, and the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. They marveled. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child. And can you imagine this? He's holding Jesus up. And he's letting everybody know in the room, he'll be your downfall. Can you imagine this? Because he declared the truth. He did not worry about being ostracized because you've got to understand at the moment he said he found the Messiah, the religious leaders went outside to find stones. They were going to just have him privately retire. But he looks at them, everyone in the room, and then Simeon blessed them and said this. This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against and so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And Mary and Joe, sisters, come on, come on, come on. Uh, uh, come up on the keyboard. Give me a little ambiance. <laughs> is what the Lord told me. He didn't worry about being ostracized or getting kicked out of his denomination. Something in him was different. And what you got to realize is this. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm done, I'm done. What I love about him is when 
he realized that when God was done with him, he got out of the way. What we learn from this is, is the moment you begin to declare God's glory, your ministry dies. It's over. The Lord asked me when I was reading this, he said, because Simeon said, I can die now. He gets done blessing the glory of Israel. Hands the child back to him. And what I love is it says that he would. Jesus became the Melchizedek. I imagine he didn't live very much longer. In fact, I personally believe he probably went back to his little room and laid down and shut his eyes. Because once you experience the glory, you have to die. Everything that's held you back has to disappear. I imagine he laid down that afternoon and said, I've seen your salvation. Imagine as he walked back to his little apartment that day, he said, I'm not even going to take off my priestly garments. And when he shut his eyes, he was suddenly in glory. The Lord told me, he said, I'm looking for a generation that will take on the Simeon cry. He says, I'm looking for a generation that will walk into their campus and say, I can't die till I see the glory of Israel revealed. He says, I'm looking for a generation that will walk past religious facade and all the weird stuff and walk past what culture is doing and saying, I'm sorry, I... I have made up my mind that I'm going to see his glory in my day. I'm going to see him heal a generation. I'm looking for those with the Simeon cry. He had, there's four mandates to be a Simeon. I'll say these four things and then I'm done. No, number one, we must run to the one who has run ahead of us. What do you mean? You'll either run away from God or you'll run to God. I've learned that and there's no middle ground. When we choose to run to God, it transforms everything about us. And I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. It says, it says, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all our appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus running on ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as the high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. You've got to understand that day Simeon was declaring no longer do we have religious high priests. The high priest has come. The one who will pay the price. My scars end where his began. Scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. He was declaring at this moment the whole priesthood changes and it starts with the child that I'm holding in the air. Are you getting this? Number two, if you're going to be a Simeon, his presence is transformational. Look what it says right here in his word. Whenever, whenever though they turn their face to God as Moses did, God removes the veil. And where they are face to face, they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete we're free of it all of it all of us nothing between us and God our face is shining with the brightness of his face and so we are transfigured much like the Messiah our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him 
this is just the Simeon rules. If you're going to be a Simeon, I'm done. But the, the third thing is this, because he told me to preach this tonight. It's, it's, you're his billboard. You're God's walking billboard. I sat on a plane with the founder of the, the uh, Square app, a former one of the early men in Apple. And, and I'm sitting there with him. We started talking about my book, and we started talking about traveling and how you've got to guard your family and protect your home because I'm the spiritual thermostat of my house. And as the pastor of my home, I, I need to ask periodically. I need to take a vote and uh, make sure my family still wants to be pastored by me. And I watched this man weeping and wilting on a plane, one of the biggest businessman in America and he's sitting next to me and he starts shaking and said what's on you but you're God's walking billboard look at this verse right here Simeon you yourselves are a case study of what he does at one time you're a case study that means if you really you're God's lab rat you ought to have pricks and holes in you from his glory coming into you where he's putting that syringe inside of you of his presence. I mean, you're, you're his case study. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded, steadily in that bond of trust, constantly turned, tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There's no other message just this one every creature under heaven gets this same message i paul am a messenger of this message and then number four number four you better understand the power of truth heaven knows you tell the truth god says i'm looking for in a generation where only six percent believe in absolute moral truth i'm looking for somebody that will stand up in the middle of a locker room and call glory down i'm looking for somebody that'll stand up on a wednesday night and say let me tell you what the truth is. God didn't mess up on you. I'm looking for somebody that'll stand up and say I need you to know you can run around and scream Yola all you want but you only live once but I get to live twice because I've got a king who's already promised me a future. He says I'm looking for somebody that'll rise up. Look what this verse says right here. God says will you tell the truth? Count yourself blessed Luke chapter 6 verse 22. Every time someone cuts you down or throws you out. Every time someone smears or blackens your name to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and that person is uncomfortable you can be glad when that happens skip like a lamb if you like for even though they don't like it i do and all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company my preachers and witnesses have always been treated like this god says i'm looking for somebody that will walk into a room and say excuse me can I hold your baby? Can I hold the glory? Can I hold the consolation? Can I hold the promise of eternity? And I can see as Simeon went to hand the baby back. I can die now. Linda, I want to be in a service where I can walk away and say I can die. I've seen two million teenagers touched, but I hadn't been in a service where I can walk in his way and say, I can die yet. What if it's tonight? I told my team this morning, I said, what if tonight the history books write about the service of the ram? What if this is the night where 
people with secret addictions understand the glory can break the bond? What if, what if this is the night where, where youth pastors were not really worried about who knows us anymore? We're not declaring how many numbers we don't have. We're not running around marking our territories. But in this room, there's a generation that'll simply say, can I hold your word? I don't know if it'll happen. I said to my wife on the way here, I said, this isn't one of my youth convention messages. And yet God's telling me I have to preach the sin. Here he comes. Hold on. Here he comes. I feel him. Here he comes. I feel him. He's coming. He's starting to spread across the room. Why do you say that? I, I don't know. It's what the Holy Spirit's telling me. It's we're going to experience for a moment what happened with Simeon. Come into this part of the temple, Simeon. You'll see why you were born. And in one morning, God answered the prayer of an old priest who was willing to be ostracized. who is willing to lose everything. If you want God, cry out. Do you want His glory more than you want anything else? Are you willing to lay down relationships that have held you back? Are you willing to lay down hurts that you use as crutches instead of picking up the wings? He says, I'm looking for somebody that will declare, I want your glory. I want your glory. I want your glory. I'm looking for a Simeon cry. I'm looking for somebody that will say, don't let me depart till I see your glory. Don't let me leave till I see your glory. I can't leave until I see your glory. I'm tired of normal church. I'm tired of living this thing. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of singing songs. And yet we don't have his glory. I'm tired of getting pumped up. The drum's doing it just right. I'm tired of it. I've got to have his glory. I want the consolation. I want the answer. I want the promise. I want the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Somebody cry out, come Jesus. Thank you for listening. We pray that this word would sit in your spirit and transform you. For more information or to become a covenant partner with Mercy Seat Ministries and Evangelist Pat Karen Chatsline, you can log on to www.mercyseatministries.com.